Okay, is everyone back yet? All right. Well, I was invited to uh, come speak here by Joe. This is the Simi Church, right? Excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, if you don't know this, if you're, if you're visiting with us, you know, we have two ministries in Ventura County. There's a Shoreline ministry. Uh, there's, there's, there's Christians all over, the, all over the county. And then there's a Simi Church. And what we're trying to do is combine them both. Be one church with two different service locations. In the future, three locations. Future, four locations. And that's kind of the mission of Jesus. You know what I mean? So my name is Gio. I serve as a minister. I've been doing this for about 17 years. It's been exciting. It's been some heroic peaks and some dark lows. But I, one thing I love is I love following Jesus. And I know Joe's been doing a series on following Jesus, and it's been kind of cool. I have, a, I have one called Following Jesus. It's a little different, but I hope it's still cool with you guys to do it. Joe's really good, so hopefully uh, this will be uh, uh, good for you to, to hear. Okay, let me give you the concept first. You know, the concept is like Jesus says. He says a lot of things. Like when you look in your Bible and, and the words of Jesus are in red, there's a lot of stuff in there. Jesus uh, would say, be nice. Be to church, be on church on time, right? Don't look over there. Get up early. Deny yourself. Do this. Do that. Share your faith. Do this and do that and do and do and do and do and do and do. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I have to sit down. Like, that's a lot. And I'm like, whoa, I can't play that game too long. And then what makes it worse for me is I meet Christians who never sit out. They're like, yes, keep doing it. Do this and do that. Oh, do that right and do this and be nice and don't talk. And I'm like, wow. I have to take a break once in a while because once I start getting into that do, do mindset, I start, I start like wigging out myself going, I have got to take a break. I don't know what, because I'm almost doing stuff like a robot. And I'm just doing stuff. And, you know, that's the great thing about Jesus is that and it, 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 he's not asking us so much to be a robot. And it's frustrating uh, when, when you see people who are so good at it. You're like, how are they so good at that? They just love doing things. You know, for me, um, I can lose the relational nature who, of who Jesus is. When I start, you know, Jesus says do that. Jesus says be nice. Jesus says, you know, don't talk about it. Jesus says cooperate. Jesus says be humble. Jesus says... Get up, you know, get, get up early, have your coffee, and read your Bible. Sometimes I can, I, I, can, I can lose the relational aspect. And it's a tragedy when you lose that, the relational nature. So, because when we do that, we don't do the do so well. You know, we lose our joy, and we lose our victory over temptation, and, and we kind of get out of balance. So, you know... It's like pursuing rules and principles of marriage rather than the person you're married to. You, you kind of get in that mindset where you, you get home and, oh, dinner's ready. Oh, yeah, this is, the bills are paid. Yeah, everything's functioning, but there's no relationship. And when you find your marriage there, you're like, wait a minute, I got married to you. Yes, yes, we forgot that. And you, you always realize that in November at the marriage retreat. You go, oh, yes, yes, the marriage retreat. I love her. I love him. And you kind of get snapped back into, like, reality, going, that's right. I was doing all these things, but this guy reminded me once a year that 
Yeah, just about the relationship. I want that. So here's a new way of thinking. God gave us a number of picture or word pictures to kind of explain his relationship with us. So one of the pictures he gave us, is this thing working right? Click, 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 click. Watch backwards. Click, click. Did I turn it on? Is it on? Yeah, I'll, I'll let go. But no, I can do it from here. This is awesome. Okay. Here's one of the word pictures he gave us. He's a father and we're children, his children. It's pretty cool. Now, when, you, when I think of father, I think, wow, my dad was kind of distant. Because I, I look at God through my dad's eyes. Like, is God distant? Is God absent? I know God loves me, but is he really there for me? Is he really, like, involved with me? Because that's how I grew up. I grew up with a dad who's really awesome, sacrificial, hardworking, but he was kind of absent. He was there, but he wasn't there. And I needed someone to be connected with. So the picture here is a father-child, and God is not a bigger version of my earthly dad. He's actually the perfect version of my earthly dad. So it's a picture for us to relate. God, he's dad, I'm son. He's dad, I'm daughter. What a cool way. He's trying to tell us, this is how we're going to relate to each other. Okay? Here's another one. He says in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branch. That's kind of cool. It's good word. Look at those grapes. Probably going to be some good wine right there. You know, in other words, look at us as connected. The branch cannot bear fruit without the vine. The word picture here is we and us and God are connected. And we do best and we produce fruit when we're connected. That's our relationship. It's a connection. You know, it's amazing. The next one is the sheep and the shepherd. You know, it's, you know, when you think about the sheep, you know, you know, he's around, they wander, they, you know, they're like on the ground, there's Gio on the ground, just laying down, relaxing, because it's safe. The shepherd's protecting me from wolves and from creatures, and I feel, yeah, when someone wanders, guess who comes looking for me? The shepherd. He comes looking for me when I wander away because, you know what? Geo gets tired, has to sit down. Jesus says, I get tired and I wander away because I lost the relational, relational nature of Jesus. And the shepherd will come looking for me. That's the word picture he gives us for us to relate to him. But there's one word picture that runs through the Gospels that Jesus uses more than any other. And it encompasses for all of us for non-believers, for, for, for followers of Jesus, for non-followers, for older Christians, for young Christians, that we can relate. And it's highly relational in nature, this word picture. And we find it in the book of Matthew. Look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 9. We're going to look there. Following Jesus. This is a, a little story, the gospel account, as Jesus invites Matthew. And, as, and it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw, you know, part of the city of Capernaum, or the town of Capernaum. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, just to give you a little idea of this profound picture of what's happening, Jesus sees this tax collector, and it stirs up a lot of feelings. 
You know, every time I write a check to the Ventura County tax collector for my house, I'm like, it stirs up a lot of feelings. I'm like, that's a lot of money that can go somewhere else. You know, whenever I pay 7.25, I'm like, what are they actually doing with that money? I always like wonder, what's, why, and here is Matthew. He's a Jewish tax collector. They are the undisputed scum of the earth. You're like, why? Why are they so bad? Well, they are the most hated group within the Jewish society. Why? Because the Roman entrepreneur would go to the Senate and say, I want to petition or bid so I can have, so I can make sure that Rome gets their tax. I'm going to make sure that I get this, this, this geographic area that's assigned to me. Then I'm going to farm it out to a local person, and he's going to collect all the taxes. And that local person will collect the tax for Rome, but he also sets up his own fee schedule. Now think about this. Think about 10% property tax. We pay 1%. 10%. This is think 10%. I'd go insane. 20% on wine and fruit. Tolls on bridges, roads, gates, boundaries between districts, import tax, export tax, harbor tax, town tax, etc., etc., etc. They would set up a schedule fee where they're taxing everything. And he would profit from it, from his own people. And so taxes were a constant reminder of Roman oppression for the Jews. Remember, their history is that they, they had no ruler but God, and Rome was their ruler. And so these Jewish people would step up, become tax collectors, and they would use the Roman seal of authority to extract the taxes from his own countrymen. So they were hated, and it was intense, and there was a lot of feeling. And this is how... Uh, th this is how um, the Roman authority were to exercise their authority on every living person in the Roman Empire. You paid your tax. And so Jesus finds Matthew sitting in a Roman custom-built house on the highway in this port city, stealing from his own people, a social outcast. Can you imagine what Peter, James, and John were thinking as Jesus is walking closer to Matthew? They're going, oh yeah, go get him, Jesus. You know, you know, when you read the Bible, Jesus walks to Matthew and says, how could you? No, he didn't say that. You should be ashamed of yourself. He didn't say that either. I'm sure you love your crowd. Didn't say that either. You call yourself a son of Abraham? Nope, he didn't say that either. He says, Follow me. Now, if, if you're the other apostles, you're going like, what, what? You're inviting him into our crew? That guy? That guy's going to make a bad impression. We're never going to make Christians. We're never going to make disciples. He invites that guy to join this crew. We'll never get off the ground. We like Simon the Zealot. At least he hates Rome. He'll blow stuff up. But not this guy. This guy works for them. He's going to hurt our evangelism. Can you imagine the things that are going through their mind? Why this guy, Jesus? And it was, it was intense because Jesus was considered a rabbi. And this invitation was significant. 
This was more than just a casual, can you take a break from work? This was an invitation to become part of his inner circle. And Matthew gets up and follows him. He gets up and walks away from treasures on earth and follows Jesus. It's intense. What a moment. There were some things he couldn't, he could not and would not do at that point. Matthew, he wasn't sure what all that meant. Did he repent yet? Did did Jesus say, well, go back and repent and change and come follow me? He didn't say that. He just says, come follow me. So Matthew's like, I I don't know what fully all this means, but I'm going to follow. I'm not sure what's expected of me yet, but he follows. So Matthew took a baby step that changed his life forever. Jesus didn't say, if you're willing to give back all the money you stole, you can follow me. Jesus didn't say that. What Matthew ends up finding out is that about Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, you eventually have to stop cheating, lying, cursing, smoking. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to start being generous, loving, kind, share your faith with others. If you're going to follow me, Jesus says, You must be willing to die for me. He says all these things, but his first invitation is follow me, which I find extraordinary. It was so different from the other religious group called the Pharisees. They had a whole different approach. They says, you're not good enough to be with us until you become like us, until we see proof. Then you can join our group. Jesus does the complete opposite. He says, join my group and then you'll change. What a contrast. Now, this simple invitation is the most accurate picture of what spiritual life is all about. The Christian life is a life of following Jesus. That's the picture. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you can follow Jesus. The issue is not how, how, not what you know or how long you've been a Christian or how, how often you've been attending church for years. The question is, am I following? Currently, actively, am I following? And this didn't sit well with the religious community. In verse 10 it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Can you imagine? Just picture that picture there. Jesus is supposed to be the righteous rabbi who came from God. And he's hanging out with the scum of the earth. People that are social outcasts. And he's having dinner. You can imagine laughing and having a good time, eating food, not washing their hands. They're just grubbing. And there are the Pharisees watching. And they're aghast. They're like, wow. And they respond this way. When the Pharisees saw it, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, why isn't he eating with us? 
of religion come from? We're the, we're the spiritual people. He's a rabbi. We're teachers of the law. Why is he with them and not us? Why would he spend his time with those who are nothing like him? Why do those who are nothing like him like him? And not us. They like Jesus and they don't even like us. And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I'm sure that was a put down to Matthew and his friends. <laughs> They're like, oh, uh, well, he was like, oh, oh. what'd you say? You know, Jesus was a truth teller too. He said, follow me, but he always told you the truth. He told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. He always told you the truth. You're a sinner and I'm hanging out with you. That's what the Christian life is about. We're trying to impact sinners and invite them to follow Jesus. I know a lot of us, we feel safer with, among disciples, and it's a good thing. But we've got to be in the ministry of Jesus and say, hey, look, I'm going to go spend some time with some sinners and invite them. About you. you know, having dinner at sinners is healthy. I got friends who are sinners, absolute sinners, 100% proud sinners. And I have dinner with them. Yeah, and they drink too much. Yeah, and they curse too much. But I'm not going to be like them because I'm following Jesus. I'm trying to invite them. Come on, there's something greater. They're trying to crawl under that bottle. I'm trying to get them out. Ooh, you see? Was that worth it? Come on, man. Let's follow Jesus. Let's follow the Lord. People who are not aware of their need for Jesus usually opt not to follow him. People that are aware of their need, man, they're so happy to be around someone who follows Jesus. But look what he says next, and this is for us. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. This was a put down to the Pharisees too, because they studied the Old Testament a lot. He says, go and learn. Go learn something. And then, and then says, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. You know, in the Old Testament, the Pharisees may have been reminded of this passage in Hosea chapter 6, where Israel was going through the motions, believing and behaving, but missing the point. And we can go through the motions of believing and behaving and miss the point that it's actually a relationship with God. We believe the right things, we behave the right way, but we lose sight of the point. I came to call. So, of course, this confuses you, the Pharisees. This isn't about theology. It's about ministry. I believe people come to church to find answers for their life. Sometimes I get a guy that says, why didn't you do an expository lesson on the book of Hosea? I get that sometimes. And there's, a, there's, there's room for that in God's kingdom. But people, when they come to church, when I meet them, 
It's usually because your marriage is about to implode and this is your last, oh, can someone help me? Can someone rescue me? My kid is going, my, my wife, my, you know, my life, and they're looking for answers. Like real, practical, Bible-based answers. And this is a lesson for all of us. Because we as the body of the church, we're as close to anyone is going to get about being a follower of Jesus. We have, we have small groups. We gather in his name. And, and people around us are considering. They're curious. They come in. People in the lobby are kind of, what's going on over there? They're exploring. And they should feel the same sense of acceptance as Matthew felt from Jesus. The same level of acceptance. You know, I put people on the, on the church email that sometimes aren't disciples because I want them to feel like, hey, I want to include you in this group. Hey, you know, the church is over here if you want to come. It's okay. I'm, I want them to feel accepted for who they are because when you follow Jesus, you'll change. See, the other group was like, change. And we'll measure it. I'm not sure about your, you didn't give, you didn't give 10, you only gave nine. When you give 10, come join us. Jesus says, hey, follow me. You'll change. You will change. Can you imagine having someone change with the, about the Holy Spirit? <laughs> That's always a difficult one. Change the most difficult part of your character without the Holy Spirit. That is so hard. Follow, and you'll change. You know, I think about Acts 2.38. When he said, repent and get baptized, Peter didn't send everyone back home to go, repent first and then come back here at 5.30 and then get baptized. He said, repent and be baptized now. And I always ask myself, repent? What if they had a miscarriage? How do they repent of that? What if they had this? Hey, join us. It's an, he gives us the easiest on-ramp to follow. Join and you will change. That's the entry point that Jesus wants us to have with people. Hey, just start following. Start applying this stuff. You will see the change. It is an amazing change he makes. When I see my family, my brothers, they always remind me every time I see them at Christmas. We never thought Gia would ever get married. They, they tell Karen that. It's amazing. 16 years. We would have never thought of that, ever. We never thought Gia would even be a Christian or, or be a minister. Like they, that, that, that concept in their, in their head was so far out there in outer space. And you know what? It's true. I didn't even think I would be here. Remember, I like to sit down a lot. Like, oh, that's a lot. I'm going to sit down a little bit. <laughs> Whew. I shared for two hours. I'm done for the week. It's about a relationship. See, I can do it every day when it's a relationship. When it's a chore, if I got my, get my 30, my 30 non-Christians invited to church, oh yeah, vacation time. Oh yeah, slats. Because I'm in the wrong mindset. It's not a relationship. It's just a chore. And that's where we got to get always, always strive because we drift back there all the time. We're always drifting to that spot. And we got to, just, just remind me, stay over here. Stay over here because it's a relationship. So there's four things we can learn about 
how Jesus invited to follow. One, being a sinner does not disqualify you. I thought that was kind of cool. In fact, he only invited sinners to follow him. He invited them before they got better or even committed to do so. He invites people who know that they are not all they ought to be and not sure that they're willing to be. He invites them. He invites people who know nothing about righteousness. He invites them. Sometimes I look for the, the religious person because they're easier to talk to. You know, oh, God, you're a Christian, Jody. Oh, yeah, that's great. You come to that church. That's great. Yeah, you want to come to our church? And when I say that, something in their mind's like, I read, I don't even know why I even go to church. I grew up in church. It's my parents' thing. When I'm old enough to say no, I can't wait to say no. And I meet a lot of kids at Moore Park that way. They kind of grew up in church, and church is not attractive. Following Jesus is attractive. But going to church is not all like, well, I'm going to go to church. It's exciting. It's like, ooh. When I was invited to church, I didn't even attend church for two months, but I was studying the Bible with this guy named Ernie, and he was showing me how to follow him, and I hadn't even walked in church yet. And I was familiar. So I walked into church on January 9th and was baptized on January 9th. That was my experience. I went to a, like a little campus devotion I had during the week, and I, and I brought my girlfriend going, we are boyfriend and girlfriend. All the Christians were like horrified. Ah! Ah! I didn't know. I was a sinner. And as I, as I studied the Bible and was starting to learn how to follow Jesus, I went to church. It was this big old, and I actually left early. I got, it was a long church service. You know, I was used to 45-minute services when I was a kid. This one was an almost two hours long. I was like, this is crazy. And I went, got baptized. Following Jesus. Go, being invited to church was not attractive. It had, I had horrible memories of church. But following Jesus, that was kind of cool. Being an unbeliever doesn't, disqual, doesn't disqualify you. He was constantly getting his disciples to believe. <laughs> He's like struggling. And most of them didn't believe who he claimed he said he was. Remember that guy named Thomas? We call him Doubting Thomas. Remember him? So if you're visiting with us you know, and, and, and you're here at church, welcome to Doubters Anonymous. Because people in this church, we doubt too. We doubt. We're not going to say it publicly. That's because it's, it's anonymous. We doubt. Is God working in my life? Is God really, was my baptism valid? We doubt. Am I going to really go to heaven? We doubt. I meet disciples going, you know, my toe is sticking out. You're fine. You're fine. Doubters Anonymous. The third thing we can learn is the invitation to follow is an invitation to a relationship. Jesus went home with Matthew to fellowship with him. That's one thing I liked about the guy that met me. He hung out with me. He actually, he, he was like, I'll see you next week on Thursday at 4.30 for a Bible study. Okay, I'll see you Wednesday, 1.30, Bible study. He actually hung out with me. We went 
and spent time together. Now, I had a hard time relating to him. But we spent I was an I was the captain of the soccer team. He was a nerd. But it was cool that we got along. It was cool. And I liked it. And I started introducing my friends. This is my friend. They're like, oh, that's cool, man. We started hanging out. And you know what? The Bible says it became more of a friendship time. And we studied and became friends. And we studied and became friends. And we studied and we became friends. Jesus went to Matthew's home and hung out. That was cool. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' home and he hung out there. I mean, Jesus liked to hang, he liked to hang out at people's houses. That was sweet. He went to Peter's house and hung out. His mom got sick. No worries. Oh, I got her. I mean, he's hanging out. I always picture Jesus always preaching, always. No, Jesus did a lot of hanging out. Let's go to the mountainside and hang out. Let's take the boat across the lake and let's go hang out. When I see that, I want to hang out with Jesus. That's cool. Here's my mind. I thought, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. Yeah, there's some things to do, yeah. But it's a relationship. He's hanging out. Four, following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. Rather than you are not. Following forces me to focus on where I am rather than you are not. The more conscious I am of the work of God that, that God is yet to do in me, the less critical I am of what he has yet to do in you. As long as I'm focused on where Jesus is leading me, I have little time to judge people regarding where Jesus hasn't led them. Because this is important for us. When we stop following, you'll begin judging. When you stop following... You start getting critical of people and things and church and everything. Because you stop following. But when I start getting critical, I go, wait a minute. I stopped following. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm so unhappy. I just stopped following and I became judgmental. Because when you take your eyes off how far you have to go, you'll begin focusing on how much further you've come and those around you. Jesus didn't like that. When I'm in follower mode, I'm so aware of the shortcomings in my life. I'm so aware when I'm in following mode. And when I'm not, oh, it's tough to be around me. Ask Karen. It's tough. She's more in following mode than I am. When I, want, when I want to come home, when I've done my check, I've shared with 25 people that I want to come home and not be a Christian. You know, just check out and watch TV and do what I want. Karen's like, let's go invite the neighbors. I'm like, what? Invite the neighbors? I'm already done with that. I've done that already. I've done 25 times I've done that. Because I stopped following. It became a duty and not a and she has the perfect timing when I feel like I'm done for the day. She's still following. Woman, I'm so glad I married you. If not, I'd fall away. But that's, that's, the, that's the constant struggle. I want a checklist relationship. 
And God wants a relationship. I'm just grateful he's hung on to me for, for 23 years. He still wants me around. Why? Because I'm not disqualified. I'm a sinner. I'm not disqualified. Isn't that so cool? If you can become content with simply believing and going through the motions, you'll wake up one day cold and just nothing. You just will. Just ask me. Some days I wake up cold and judgmental, and I still have to go to church. And I can put on the old, hey, but I'm cold and I'm judgmental. That tells me I'm not following. That just tells me I need to quit following. Because God has a ton to do in me, and I need to focus on me. So at the end of the day, the question is not how far along are you in the journey. The real question is, are you following? I love to say I'm 23 years old spiritually. I love saying that. Gives me kind of street cred. <laughs> 23 years. But really, in God's eyes, he doesn't ask one question to me. Are you still following? That's the question. But, I, you know, we like to do that. I've been a Christian a long time. But that's not the question. That's not the statistics. That's not the data he wants. He wants to know, are you following? And Matthew had no idea at all what Jesus had in store for him. Matthew had no idea he'd write a bestseller. No idea. He just got from the booth and said, okay, I'll follow you. He had no idea that over 2,000 years later, people will be talking about him. He had no idea. Do you know who else has no idea? We don't have any idea what God has in store for us either. But I can assure you this, you don't want to miss that, do you? So let's switch modes. Let's switch modes from just going through the motions and behaving to the new mode of following. Following Jesus because it's all about the relationship. Can we do that? So... I want to encourage you to, to start out your prayer tomorrow or today with this, with this one line, just, and then just build from there. Lord, where you lead me, I will follow. And then let it rip. Lord, where you lead me, I will follow. And then you'll start realizing where God is, and let it rip. Shoot for the fences. Go and follow. And enjoy your relationship with the Father, with the Shepherd, and with the Vine. And with that, this concludes our service, unless we have another song. One song, and we'll close out. Thanks for your time, guys. Give it up for Gio one more time. Thanks so much for coming, Gio. Amen. Let's clap on this song, Majestic.